Hey, Drew Dixon back with you for another Bible Thump. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark and, um, yeah, unpacking who Jesus is, what he came to do, and why it matters. And so we're going to come to a big turning point in Mark's Gospel and in the life of Jesus that tells us a tremendous deal about the kind of person he is and what he came to do and, um, and, why, and why it matters. We're going to see a, this really big moment. So, uh, but it comes after a story that, um, you know, it's another healing story that I think at this point in Mark's gospel, it could be easy to just sort of overlook and think, oh, geez, nah, you know, Jesus healing another person. Um, what's the significance of that? But I think we'll see, hopefully, that it's a pretty big deal. And it's intentional on Mark's part to incorporate this big turning point in the life and ministry of Jesus in the midst of, you know, right after a healing. So uh, Mark 8, starting verse 22. They, the disciples, came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. Spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? The blind man looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes, and the man looked intently and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, You are the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. So, some interesting things going on here. And Jesus takes a long walk from Bethsaida to Caesarea Philippi, which would have taken probably at least a day uh, or so. Um, it's a good distance from, from where they were. He heals a blind man on the way uh, who... He spits in this guy's face, um, and initially the guy doesn't see, but then uh, he does eventually see. You know, Jesus places his hands on the man's eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw it clearly. And Jesus warns him not to go into the village. So Jesus is beginning to sort of like slow. He's been doing this all along, but sort of slowing the news getting out about him. But he's going to turn at this point and head up towards Jerusalem. This is sort of the turning point in Jesus' ministry where he's headed to Jerusalem, where he's going to begin to tell his disciples what's going to happen there. He's going to tell his disciples that he's headed there to die and to rise again from the dead, um, to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders. Um, and so Jesus is, yeah, is his kingdom ministry is coming to a head. And as he's nearing the end of his earthly ministry, um, he insists on secrecy. He's reached the point where it's vital that word doesn't leak out about what he's doing. If his kingdom mission um, is becoming recognized as the Messiah, as you know, as the mission of the Messiah, um, things are going to get really dangerous for him. He's going to be in trouble. He's going to die, um, which is something Jesus is going to embrace, but I think he wants to embrace it in his timeline. And um, so, yeah, so this is this is Jesus embracing his role as Messiah. Jesus sort of willingly taking on that mantle, um, 
but doing it in his own way. I think that's what the story is about, is that Jesus isn't shirking off this idea that he's the Messiah. Um, that's the big moment here, right? Where we go, who is Jesus? You know, um, Jesus asks his disciples, who do, who do you think that I am? Who do people say that I am? Um, and they say, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Some say you're, say you're Elijah. John the Baptist was dead at this point. Sometimes say you're Elijah back from the dead. Still others think you're one of the prophets. Um, and then he asks his disciples, who do you think that I am? And they say, well, you're, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. And um, Jesus basically it affirms that. He warns them not to tell people that that's the case. Like, yeah, that's the truth, but, but let's not, not tell people. Um, so what's going on here is that Jesus is embracing his, his role as Messiah. He's essentially saying, yeah, like this idea has been thrown out a lot about Jesus. Maybe he's the promised one. Maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe he's the one that's going to finally take care of Rome, reestablish the temple. Um, and, and, get God's people on track again. Um, in fact, anyone who believed in the Messiah thought that the Messiah had come to do three things at least, to rebuild or cleanse the temple, um, to defeat the enemies of God that were threatening his people, so in this case it would be Rome, and to bring God's justice, you know, to to restore Israel to its proper place, but to make it a nation and a people that was that city on the hill that they were intended to be, a light into the nations. God was going to build his people. They, they believed the Messiah would, would rebuild God's people into the people they were meant to be, this people that points people to God's goodness, truth, and beauty. Um, that they would be this this nation that shines out amongst, uh, you know, far more brightly than any other the nations of the world, pointing people to God. Um, and so Jesus is saying, yeah, <laughs> that's me. But... He's saying, yeah, that's me, and I'm the Messiah in a way that you huh, you might not think. Um, because think about it. Jesus hasn't been building a political base. He has not been raising up an army. He has not um, been making any threats towards the, the temple. Um, now, there's that scene where Jesus you know, cleanses the temple, um, but ultimately, he's going to say, my body is the temple, and in three days, it's going to rise from the dead. Like, um, it's going to be crushed and then rise from the dead. Like, he's that's how he restores the temple. You see, he's a Messiah on a far deeper level than we think. And the sorts of things he was doing prior to this weren't Messiah-like activities, like the healings and the casting out demons and the miracles and the walking on water and all these things uh, and his teaching all these give us a vision of what a true, how Jesus is a far better Messiah than we think. He's not just establishing this great kingdom. He's establishing true righteousness and justice in the world. He's healing what's actually wrong with the world. He's undoing the effects of the fall. He's a far greater king than we realize. Jesus is giving the people a dream of a Messiah that's far greater than we think. He's giving the dream of, of a Messiah facelift, N.T. Wright says. He has in mind a new way of being God's appointed, anointed king. Um, and so the question I think that we're posed here is, are we prepared to have the easy answers of our culture challenged by Jesus and his new and better idea of what it means to be the Messiah? Um, 
So Jesus is a new kind of king. He's not the kind of king that we would expect. He shows us a new way of being God's Messiah, God's anointed, God's appointed king. And so what does that mean for us? Well, I think God's calling us to a new way of living under his reign and rule as with with Jesus as king. If Jesus really is this kind of king, what does that mean for us? Well, um, I can't heal people. I can't, I can't go to people who are blind and give them new sight. But what I can do is promote the justice that Jesus promotes. What I can do is love my neighbor like Jesus loves people. What I can do is um, share the good news of, of, of the kind of king that he is. Um, so instead of um, worrying about you know, what we can't do, let's think about what we can. How can we participate in his kingdom? How can we promote this wonderful king that we have? How can we help people around us see that Jesus is a different and better type of king than we possibly realize? That's what this passage is about. It's about seeing the good news about Jesus, the type of king that he is, and man, lifting up. It's different. He's not like any other king or ruler in the history of the world. He's not hungry for power. He's not trying to establish this great earthly kingdom. He's not, he's not trying to put anyone else in their place. He's offering hope and love. He's offering a new way of living. He's offering eternal life. Um, he's a far better king than we can, ima- than we can even imagine. Um, so let's ask him to help us see the ways that we can live for his kingdom. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week.